Hello and welcome to another episode of The Run-In. This week, Catherine and I are here as usual and we're going to bring our guest in straight away this week because we wanted to get her views on the news that's broken over the last couple of weeks. Very typically, a couple of days after we recorded. Perfect timing. Thank you, I iOS. Always happens. <laughs> Always seems to happen. So you can guarantee that the day after the podcast comes out, you'll get some news about the orienteering world. But um, we're going to bring in Kirsten Maxwell, sprint specialist and multiple GVB vests to her name. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Kirsten. How's lockdown been for you? How are you? Uh, yeah, it's actually okay. Just kind of feels like a bit normal now. Um, I'm down at my mum and dad's because I was supposed to move house. So um, I kind of packed up my entire flat into Rona Lindsay's parents' house up on the 18th of March, packed a bag on the 19th and I'm living out that bag. And it's now the <laughs> 23rd of, of June. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Um, I can think of worse places to be. So as I say, I was supposed to move flats, so I didn't really want to get stuck and have to be, you know, paying a rent on my own and, you know, all sorts of, well, I'd have been stuck in a flat that had no garden. And yeah, it. I kind of made a quick decision to just get out of there while I still could. Um, yeah, it's kind of, when you're younger, you want to move away from the borders, but now it's like a great place to be, great place to train um yeah it's just being able to be in the countryside just now I think is a huge bonus um I I love running so you know it's not really been that bad for me that there's no competitions because I still want to get out and I think I kind of need to get out sometimes when I'm sitting at my desk all all day and (laughs) Mm. um, and it's kind of forced me to stop running about crazy all the time you know like from place (laughs) to place Um, I don't think I ever spend more than a weekend at home and I've now spent like what three months in, in the same place so yeah it's been it's been all right it's been different and I think I've been really lucky that um I've had my dad to train with um he's not that much slower than me which I know a lot of people you know if you're when you were only allowed to see your immediate family that you lived with or friend, whoever you lived with were kind of stuck on their own so yeah I've, I've been been lucky I think mm. yeah I've, I've found that quite weird as well that kind of I think so often you just live weekend to weekend. What's the next race? Where am I going yeah. next? That even in the winter, you've got cross country and things that you don't actually decompress for a while. But now, I don't know. I think, yeah, it, I think you, you, you know where you're going all the time. Like you're, you, you, you know, I've got a, a spreadsheet. Everyone was probably the same being like, this is where I am this weekend, next weekend. Mm. This is where I am next month. And now it's like, it's just really blank and it's just all. I know kind of what training I want to be doing, but it's kind of like, oh, where am I going to explore around here this weekend? And, what yeah. am I going to cook? That's like my kind of things that I'm doing just now. And when you suddenly find a new path that you've never found before, yeah. there's one couple hundred meter stretch, you just go, oh my God, this is so amazing. I, it's the I best thing I've ever I found. Can't believe, I can't believe how many paths we found. Like I lived here, you know, for 18 years of my life. And I think every week in lockdown, we found these new trails. You know, it's, yeah. And my dad lived in this area for 60 years and was still finding new things. You think when you're forced to explore where you live, you actually realise what you do have, like right on your doorstep. So mm. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing in a way, isn't it? And yeah. and you said that um you've obviously been working pretty hard and using the training as escape as escape, but you went yeah. part time at the beginning of twenty twenty to focus on what? What was that kind of decision like coming back through to what lockdown? Because obviously you you're lucky enough to kind of go back to full time work. Yeah, so um, I kind of like thought about it before, but was like, oh, I'm not really good enough. Um, 
But there was, I think it was around the time that I did the sprints in Belgium and sprints Scotland and they were like um, a week apart and half the people I competed against had like just been on holiday between the races and I'd been straight back to work on a flight at 6am to the next place, you know, just having everything was always, you know, I was rushing about to be, I couldn't take any holidays like extra because I wanted to keep them for competitions and, you know, I kind of spoke to a few people around then and you know, and I spoke to some of my coaches and they said, well, how do you know you're not good en- that that's not what you need to be good enough? Mm. I kind of felt like I was sick of being almost there. Like I've always, over the last few years, been quite good, but I've not been good enough, like, you know, to, to just ma- like make the teams and things. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, you know, everyone else works less than me. So maybe that's what I need to do. So yeah, I spoke to my work when I came back from China and, um, Within five minutes, they'd agreed it. So I don't know why I didn't ask. Oh, wow. Sooner, kind of. <laughs> That's so good. Um, they're, they're really supportive. I've been there, um, over five years now. So they, they kind of get what I'm about. You know, mm. I'm, I'm doing a role that now is, you know, I've not really moved on as much as they kind of think I could, but I'm saying I'm happy doing what I'm doing because it allows me to, to do what I want outside of work, which is really important to me. Um, so yeah, January 2020, I started um part-time it let me save holidays because I was off Fridays and Mondays I went on two training camps to Spain and in, in the first three months of the year no 6 at 30 a.m starts I could do technical <laughs> sessions in the daylight in the winter mm. um work still gave me a bit of purpose I was all ready to extend it to June having had my like best cross-country season that I've had um I got top 10 at national cross-country which if you told me that earlier this year I would never have believed believed you um so it was just kind of like everything was going so well I was like I'm going to extend it and yeah then then we kind of got the news that some of my training camps were cancelled and I was kind of like okay I spoke to some of my coaches were like should I should I stay part-time and they were like yeah yeah stay part-time just now because you don't know how quickly this could go back and then you know as each day went on it was like you know, now you're not allowed out your house apart from like once a day and things. Mm. And I was just like, if I can go back, then I can. And yeah, they, they agreed it. Um, so yeah, now it was, it was, yeah, it was quite a come down to thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to be off work for another three months, half the time, um, to suddenly having to work, um, yeah, having to work five day weeks and then them saying that, all the holidays you had booked, you had to honour. So I was like, great, I've got to now have my training camp off to just sit in the house. Oh, and no. I'd, mm. I'd, accrued, I'd actually accrued holidays um, because I'd worked a few days for my colleague in January when I knew there was no races. Mm. So they, they had to take them as well before um, they made us take holidays by the end of May. So I was kind of like, I had hundreds of holidays left and now we have to have taken half them by May. So I've just kind of had to put them in and not go anywhere but I mean I'm really lucky to have a job and be allowed back and you know I've saved a lot of money just now which hopefully I can use to you know if I do well next year I can use to fund my competitions but I I know I'm in a a good place compared to a lot of people but obviously yeah it's it's really gutting because I was running better than ever was and was ready to give the JK a really good shot to see what I could get selected for this year. Mm. Mm. And had your had your mind already started thinking about WOC by the time that had um, 
got cancelled or had you already kind of compartmentalised things by then and obviously with the JK being cancelled, the British being cancelled? Um, with with Walk being cancelled, I think I, I wasn't really surprised. Um, just the, the way things were going and what people were allowed to do in various countries and it was just kind of like I couldn't see when we'd be allowed to travel as well. So mm-hmm. in a way it was a relief when it was actually cancelled because you know, when it was kind of maybe going to be on in October, you were thinking, what if we're the country that isn't allowed to do things? And yeah. I mean, right now in Scotland, we're not allowed more than about five miles. So, you know, I'm really limited to where I could train on a sprint map. And, you know, you can see other countries are, you know, up ahead of us in coming out. So it was kind of like, yeah, not surprised, a bit relieved, but also like, yeah, really gutted that I'd had no chance to kind of blow it myself. It had been blown before I'd even, you know, <laughs> had a, had a start. Um, I kind of think that I've had a lot of ups and downs. Um, so I was like, this is just another one. Like, I'll just bounce back because that's what I do. But yeah, there's, there's bigger problems in the world right now than, than us competing. Um, I think it's actually worse for the juniors and things who like, you know, had their last year of, of jaywalking mm. even for my dad he'd just turned into the m60 class and was you know finally into a young young person in his year and was targeting the masters and everything and you know he's not going to be the youngest again for five years so yeah. it but yeah juniors especially it's i hope it doesn't put anyone off because i never went to a jaywalk so yeah <laughs> yeah I'd actually never considered the masters classes in a very selfish kind of way. I'd not thought yeah. thought about them at all. Yeah, because no, my mum's always excited when she moves up a new age class and she's the youngest in there. She's always thinking about who who hasn't moved up yet. Who is she racing against each time? Mm. I think my yeah. dad might have moved up up one this year as well. <laughs> He's had that taken from him. Um, yeah. But yeah, like you say with the juniors, it's really. I mean, you just hope that. I think Jaywalk's still scheduled for October yeah, at this yeah, stage yeah. and you just hope it goes ahead just for their sake because yeah. that really does feel like you're robbed of something. Mm-hmm. You see the amount of people who drop off when they're not, maybe not picked yeah. in their final year yeah. that you just hope they don't, they don't see it as a reason to leave the sport and that they carry on. Um, but did you, did that kind of motivation, like you say, you've, you've gone through you know, ups and downs already in your, in your senior career and like you say, not making a jaywalk when you're a junior and um, not making the walk team thus far. Sure you will. Yeah. Um, but by the sounds of it, next year, if it wasn't done this year. <laughs> but did you did you did that keep you carry on, um, carrying on training you know, solid all the way through or did you take a bit of a break during, during the start of lockdown? Um, I think I kind of went back a stage. So I was kind of getting to the point that you know, I'd the cross country had finished. I'd started focusing on on orienteering. I'd I'd literally, I think it was like two weeks before lockdown or a week before Spain was locked down. I was in Malaga on a training camp, and there was it was like world ranking sprints, knockout sprints. I you know I was I was starting to sharp, going to be sharpening up, you know, for for the JK and things. So I was kind of moving to track sessions, orienteering sessions. So I've kind of like gone back a stage to kind of my January February type training. So just like yeah you know not a proper base but I'm just kind of taking along and the sessions I'm doing are longer and not sharp so yeah just I I don't think I I didn't take a break as such because I just when I could get outside I wanted to be outside and I was kind of making the most of that so um and as I say yeah I just I just kind of love running and being outside so I've just kind of kept kept going but just kind of rethought things through because I mean, I don't want to be like really sharp and batter myself 
so that like you know when the races do come I'm like lost interest or I'm injured um so it just kind of being a bit more flexible because you know when you you know there's no races you can be like oh well maybe I'll go do that this weekend that I wouldn't normally do so yeah doing a few things that maybe I wouldn't have done just exploring long runs and I'd be doing a bit more cycling just because I can the roads are so quiet um so yeah just not putting any pressure on myself which is really good for me because I do that too much (laughs) (laughs) uh and did did that um when you saw the announcement that uh you know walk was going to be back on sprint sprint relay next year did that that change anything get get the fire burning or just keep on with that steady you know this just base phase just carrying on as we are you know we'll prep for the competitions when they're back in earnest yeah i think it gave a bit more like kind of well i think it just was quite positive because we kind of had as a sprinter i think we had like quite a lot of negative news all at once and Mm. although we expected it it was kind of like okay it's a bit more than we expected you know like edinburgh got pushed back we could know Europeans. It was just kind of like, there's no sprint competitions on the horizon. And and I did kind of think for a bit, is there something else I could do? You know, with my running going so well, could I do some hill, a hill running season? Could I do, you know, it was kind of like, I don't want to not do orienteering, but if there's not going to be anything to aim for, then is there something else I can achieve? You know, it's, um, it, that was quite hard. So now knowing that there is something next year, well, there's Europeans and walk, um, and then that there's going to be something 2022. It's, it, there is kind of like things that are closer on the horizon, which is nicer because yes, you can, let's say I love running and I'm, you can, I'm really motivated, but there is days when you don't want to get out of your bed at whatever time in the rain in the winter, especially up here. And, you know, I know over the winter there was some really bad storm, stormy sessions. And all the time I was like, but this is going to help you. You know, this is what you're doing it for. And then now I'm like, oh, that's funny because it's not even helped me at all. Like, it's just, but, but, you know, like I think now having, okay, there is a walk next year. There's, yeah, there's something to aim for because, yeah, they're only once a year and I'm not going to be able to try forever. So, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was really exciting. And did, um, did to, the forest ever that. ever cross into your mind before the announcement that Czech was going to host next year's walk um, um, come about? Or was that just completely off the cards? Well, I think a lot of people would think it is off the cards, but like I used to not be that bad at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just lost a lot of confidence with it. And uh, yeah, I think the only orienteering I did in like March was in a forest because we've got a map forest just um, up, up like 1k up the hill from us. Um, and... Yeah, a lot of my sessions, especially right at the beginning when it was kind of people were a bit like kind of scared of people running past them and things. I just did like all my running up in the woods. Um, so I was doing this like terrain time trial thing that I used to do when I was a junior. Um, and I think from that, I got like a third overall at the JK in the forest. So I was like, actually, these sessions I'm doing will make me stronger in the forest too. And, you know, the check is a lot more runnable and things. And it. I, I don't think I could have got to walk, but I would never put it past, like, being able to run a relay or something because I know I'm stronger in kind of team events often. So I wouldn't put it past me ever, but it would have to be in the right kind of terrain and maybe not walk, maybe maybe a World Cup or something. <laughs> well, there are, you know, World Cups confirmed for next year now. We've got um, yeah. Idrifan, Sweden, Italy, and then Switzerland, like you said, for um, EOC as well. Uh, which is more sprint based now, but um, you're gonna maybe give some of those a crack. 
Yeah, I always would go and I always run the every day of the JK. So, you know, if I got a good result, I wouldn't, I would probably think of the sprint first. But if there was something else that they, that I could do, then I wouldn't say no if I thought I could do a good performance. Well, I just want to add some context, if I can, about um, World Champs. So World Champs this summer was meant to be um, forest only, but the organisers in the Czech Republic have just added the sprint and the sprint relay. But we're going to have to wait until 2022 to have the first ever World Champs knockout sprint. Yeah. Have you um, you've, have you done a uh, knockout, haven't you, Kirsten? Uh, yeah, I've done a, f- a few, I think, actually. Like, not not really com- competitive um some of them have just been like training but because we did quite a lot in edinburgh just before the switzerland world cup and then i've done one in malaga um which yeah just in, in march um which was yeah really exciting and i actually like managed to get to the final in that so like i think it's something i could be quite good at um actually our, our clubs ran two on a training weekend now so we're claiming to have ran like the first knockout sprints in in scotland so nice and and you said you were you well you you mentioned already the relay like you like running in that team competition or at least people around you do you think that will make you it like enjoy or do well in the knockout sprint yeah i think i think i for it's really strange but like i think having people around me gives me confidence and not because i can just see where they go because quite often I get would get make a mistake, get caught up by someone, and then lead them round. I think I just have the confidence that I'm like not going to do something really stupid when there's someone following me. Like I know that <laughs> that might sound really weird, but when there's people there, I get like I, I think I concentrate more. I get like I'm more like I know what I want to do. Um, so yeah, I think I've always performed better in in kind of those situations, and I've run. Um, I think it was the sprint relay in Czech, Repu- Czech Republic in Prague mm-hmm. um, and in like the first half of the course until it went into the forest I was actually like up in the top pack and I never managed to convert that into a result but I remember running along at ne- like near the front and just being like I know what I'm doing and I just felt so comfortable so I know that there's like a really good performance there in that I just need to yeah keep the confidence going but yeah I've kind of always, always enjoyed, I think, it, yeah, like you don't want to let other people down, but I don't see that as like a worry. I, I think of it as, right, okay, I really need to focus. So yeah, I enjoy competing in teams. Nice. And you've mentioned kind of the, um, the training that you've been doing in lockdown a bit and, uh, and, and Catherine in her digging said that you'd done a, um, a virtual West Highland way between, between your family, um, as a bit of long endurance training. Um, do you think you're going to take any of these um, kind of these revelations on going back to to where you were originally based and that that kind of training through your youth into the next couple of years and and building to walk in Edinburgh two years later? Is that going to affect? Is that shift in date going to affect anything for you or or you know anything like that? Yeah, I think um, I I do think some of the things the ways I've been training and things I will kind of take forward. Um, I think it's so much easier to do kind of like long runs and things down here because it's just countryside and you can just lose track of time. You know, as something in the city, I find I got a lot more bored on a long run um, because you're just in the dark going around the streets and it's just like after work, it just isn't. But I think that's like really helped me like um, just like get a really good base. 
because I've got like time trials down here that I've yeah I'm absolutely smashing like I go out and I run it and I run a PB and then I've just run another PB and I'm kind of like what am, what am I doing but <laughs> I just feel like so so strong and there there's actually yeah there's, everywhere's hilly down here like we're, we live in a valley so it's like even up to my house there's like a huge hill and if you go out the door the other way there's a huge hill so you either go up at the end or you go up at the start and so I think like I mean Edinburgh city centre is hilly so you know there's sessions that I've done down here that I can come down and do that that would be yeah would be really good um yeah my dad has made the conservatory into a gym so I've even managed to keep some kind of strength and conditioning up which I think is is really important because obviously when you're running all the time and you know you've got more time you can do more running you can easily get injured um so going to have to try and like work out when I go back to Edinburgh the gyms won't be open how I'm going to keep that kind of stuff up um yeah as you said I did the virtual West Highland Way thing which was like yeah as a family we had to run 95 miles between us um which we tried not to mean make it that I had to run them all, but um, <laughs> it was getting it is a really good way of getting everyone out and you know a bit of bit of competition and I've had um, Scottish Athletics has had virtual races as well, which I know some people haven't got on board with, but our club's been really like motivating it, wanting people to do it, and um, I just find they've been like a good way to get yourself to get out and push. You know. You always push yourself harder if you've got to submit it to something. Mm. And okay, you've got to take the results with a pinch of salt because yeah, we don't have any unhilly routes for like 5k and things, you know, to or yeah, we our GPS black spots are really bad because we're in the middle of nowhere. But you know, these kind of things have been been really motivating. So I think yeah, a bit of testing where you are is, is always good. But yeah, going back going back to Edinburgh, I think the fact that that walk was moved to 2024 is probably what bothered me most Mm. um I remember actually the night that I moved all my stuff um to the Lindsay's house us saying oh the worst thing they'll do is move walk two years and we were like they won't do that like that's never going to happen and obviously (laughs) that day we had no idea what was going to come in the next few months um yeah it was it was going to be July 2022 it was going to be a month before my 30th I felt like I could have been in the form of my, my life, you know, that's a kind of good age, um, for like being fit. Um, yeah, I've lived in Edinburgh for 10 years. It's like kind of one of my homes. Um, in fact, the old town in Edinburgh is probably, um, some of my favorite terrain. I, mm. I, I don't know why. I just, I've always <laughs> loved doing the city race there. Um, I probably know that terrain more than a lot of people. <laughs> I, you know, I can't think of many people because I did so much training on it when I was at uni. Um, obviously I can't, haven't been on it recently at all, but I remember like explaining to my dad where I'd go on a leg once and I said, oh yeah, I'd go up past that shop. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know where that shop is. And, you know, it's, it's just a really cool place to, to race as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like the castle, the Royal Mile, like it's, 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 you know, it's a capital city. It just is a great place to, to be. Um, I, I li- both live and work outside the embargo. So, the only thing that affects me just now is like the gym. Um, I have to go the long way around, so I get a little <laughs> bit extra miles in um, to to get there. But um, 
Yeah, there's there's little things like I've had a work event that I haven't gone to because it's been in the embargo. Um, my friend's wedding's in the embargo, um, <gasps> and it's been cancelled, so I didn't have to make any decisions there. But there's there's things like that, and it's trying to explain to you know because obviously I live there, trying to explain to my friends, no, I don't want to go to that restaurant for dinner because it's in the embargo <laughs> because a race that's happening in this many years, and they're like, that's just. And I, th- I think that, you know, now it could be the prospect of five years we're not allowed in that part of the city. And like five years is a long time. Mm. Um, I think it's, it'll really affect the Edinburgh clubs. Like I think that's like really bad for them, you know, just they can't use their areas, you know. The, yeah, I just, I really feel sorry for them. Um, the big weekend that yeah. New York run, that's, that's their main big area. And, you know, having, um, I didn't plan that one, but I planned the Arthur Seat Day and things. Getting all your people to turn up to help when it's close by is hard enough. So if they moved it further out, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's difficult. And even for students just living their student life. Now, I mean, I know right now we've got a lockdown and student life could look very different. But, you know, you, you come, to, I know I came to Edinburgh, had a great time running, training, socialising. And, you know, if if you can't go in certain bits, it's going to be like a really strange sort of thing and one of the other big things is in four years time we have no idea who's actually going to be good you know if you think of you think of four years ago who was in the walk team and things um you know i i actually remember that the first year charlotte and alice got selected for walk we all went to the world cup in sweden and we weren't in the squad and we had to travel ourselves stay ourselves and that year they went to walk so they wouldn't have been expecting to go you know, it was, it's, it's difficult because are these people going to be complying with the embargo just now? Probably not. Because, you know, you could be someone who's a runner who suddenly gets into orienteering, becomes absolutely amazing. You know, four years is, is a long time. And then you've got the rest of us who are making this, this five year sacrifice that it might be for nothing. Right now, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, we, we moan about it from an, an athlete point of view. You know, it's, it's unfair. It's this, that, you know, I really feel for the planners and organizers having organized in like events myself, but they've been quite small. Obviously, walk is huge. Um, that, you know, the hard work they've, they're putting in to have that moved, how much more hard work that's going to take probably for, you know, stakeholders, et cetera. Mm. You know, mm. you, you really, you really feel for them, but. Right now, I still see it as a dream that running down like the Royal Mile with people cheering in my home city, like that would be an like absolutely amazing thing. So a lot, a lot can change in life w- over that time, and I'm not getting any younger, so I don't know if I'll still be fit enough, good enough. If I'll, I could have children. Like I, you don't, have, you know, I don't have a clue what you know could happen. That, but yeah, it's. That, that that did bother me for a bit, but then that's just life, isn't it? I'll I'll keep trying for it while I can, and yeah, mm. yeah. And like you say, there's people who who I guess live in Edinburgh already who were orienteers and moved more to the running. I'm thinking people like um, Jack Leach, um, mm. but then you've got I guess you don't you can't guarantee that people who haven't started orienteering yet haven't already broken the embargo. And yeah. how do you prove that and and things? So yeah, so. Like, look, as in coming from someone who's not living in the city, how can you guarantee that those people who haven't started orienteering yet haven't already gone in that embargo when I've 
not gone to yeah, the city and not gone to seeing have, friends and yeah. things like that so yeah they it's, could have decided that like you know 2022 oh i'll still only be like 19 i'm not going to be going to walk mm. but now they're going to be a senior you know and it's it's like when does you know are, there's talk that they might lift the embargo slightly you know to mean that you can at least go see your friend or something um not not for orienteering um because you know the embargo was you know, put in a hard embargo, was it three years before, I think? I think so. And obviously now it's still four, so mm. or four and a half. So yeah, I I'm not I'm not sure. But yeah, it's all it's all a bit a bit strange. But right now, I mean, I'm stuck in the border, so I'm not even in Edinburgh, so I've got no chance <laughs> to go anywhere near. <laughs> well I guess let's dive. I think it was yeah, it was really funny because one of my friends I work with had said, they can't control the, you, they can't tell you where you can and can't go. And I said to her the other day, I was like, Remember when you told me you can tell someone where they can and can't go? Like, We're not allowed to leave our house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, welcome to the Orienteers version. Welcome to quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And I guess let's dive, let's dive into you being in the borders and um, kind of how you got started in um, in orienteering in, in the first place and uh, how you got into it. Your your parents obviously orienteer. Your dad is. I mean, I'm sure people have probably seen him around at numerous events. I'm always <laughs> always see you guys at any foreign races that involve a sprint competition. Um, how did you get into it? Um, I got into orienteering when I was about ten. Um, my mum and dad were runners. They did like the games circuits in Scotland and to the Lake District. Um, so dad was a 400 meter runner and mum was a sprinter. Um, which is why they can still beat me on the running. Um, <laughs> the, but, um, dad's main sport, like when I was growing up and I was a kid was, um, rally driving. So I, I my first memories are like kind of going away in the car and watching dad and his car break and us coming home and him fixing it again for the next weeks. Um, wow. And kind of as wow. we got older, he, well, I think it became a thing that how much money you had would dictate how good a car you could have. And he kind of got where he wanted to get to without, you know, that being it. And also that he wanted to do something that was a bit more family orientated. Um, so um, John Tully also did car stuff. Um, and my dad was friends with him and he said, oh, you should try orienteering. You know, you like all the maps and the stuff from like traveling about doing your cars and, and you, you like running. So you'd, you'd enjoy this. So he took us along and I remember hating it and just thinking, why on a Sunday am I getting dragged out to some hill to like go around with a compass? And mum says she remembers me getting a compass from a Christmas or something and being like, cool, that's like exciting, isn't it? And, <laughs> and, um, but then I was invited along to this, um, Scottish junior squad development weekend for like 11 and 12 year olds to like show them what the squad was like. Um, and I was only really invited because I was the same age as Sarah Tully. So it was for people born in 1992. Um, and from there I made friends and then I wanted to go orienteering because I'd made friends and I wanted mm. to see them and I obviously did more orienteering and I got better and as I got better I wanted to keep getting better and I kind of you know wanted to get in the squad and then I did and I wanted to go to JHIs and then I did and I was kind of like you know what what can I achieve with this um, and yeah I've kind of kept going and going and being like well when I look back to that little girl who got invited along to this training weekend, who was like rubbish to where I've come now, you think, well, actually, even if I never go to walk, what I've achieved since that day is like, you know, amazing. Um, Cause I was, I was never the best as a young junior. Um, mm. So I, you know, 
I never expect to be here getting an interview for, you know, I'm in the squad kind of. Um, but yeah, so I kind of just kept doing, doing that, um, kind of made my way up when got better. Um, when I was kind of my last year as a, um, as a 18, I think I started to do quite well. I remember winning, um, the jerks and things like that, like mm. individually. And you, you know, one of the coaches was always like, oh, like, you know, Kirsten's in the first team. She brought the relay team home to win, but she was in the fourth team when she started, you know, so you can, you know, anybody who's listening, who's not performing as they want just now, like whoever is really good at 12, 14 is not necessarily going to be good older. You know, if you work hard, you can, you can achieve quite a lot, but yeah, I got, I got like close to getting to, to jaywalk. And then in my final year, I was really going for it to get there. And, um, yeah, I had a pretty disaster of, of a time. Um, I found out I was anemic. Um, I basically did the, the JK anemic with like seeing stars and Oof. the luck coming down the last hill on Craig of Barnes. I lost the feeling in my arms. Ooh. And, um, mm. I like collapsed into Jane Halliday at the finish and spent time sitting in like the first aid tent. And then I was told that if I hadn't finished the race, they might have been able to consider me for Jaywalk. But because I'd finished, they had to count it. Oh, um, oh man. So yeah, I always think when I, I so I'm still managed to, I still managed to come third overall. Um, and it was a time when they used percentage behind the winner and things. So obviously my percentage was really bad, but I'd come third overall. And every time I see that buff, I think if I didn't have that buff, I might have went to Jaywalk. But yeah, I'm kind of like quite, I don't like to give up. So my thing is always to try and I would always finish. And mm. then, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I just, I'm, but I mean, I shouldn't have. I was in such a bad, bad state, but I spent, yeah. So I kind of was down in my, yeah, I was anemic. It was horrible. You know, you think about running along, doing an interval session and you can't breathe. And that's what I used to get, like doing an easy run. Um, and, I managed to get treatment for that and things went well. Um, and I kind of have been up and down like that for a number of years and it kept kind of recurring. And then I kept getting this, you know, tingling hands and things. And, um, I remember like when I stood up, I saw stars and I started to just become like that was normal for me. Um, it just was what I was like. Um, and then I remember doing the six days, um, when walk was in Scotland and like by the end, I remember just wanting to sit down on a downhill because I was so tired. And I was like, I'm running downhill. Um, and after that, I went, I paid some money, um, to go see a sports doctor because I was like, you know, I'm training really hard and I'm getting worse. You know, that's, it's not the way it, it was really demoralizing because I really, I think, you know, some of my rivals and friends would describe me as someone who just, never gives up and is just so motivated and you know yeah I, I just always want to give my best and I will really try hard and it was kind of getting me worse being like that um yeah so unfortunately in orienteering we don't have like specialist doctors and stuff that look at us all the time like mm. in other sports mm. um and yeah I went to sports doctor and I found out I had the b12 deficiency which was something else that like was yeah making me struggle because it it's it's all complicated with like your oxygen to, so yeah when you're exercising it doesn't go to your brain and 
it keeps your legs going instead, which is quite clever, but it's not what I wanted. I wanted to be able to run. Um, but I was put on injections for that. Um, it's, it's really weird because I, I eat everything that, you know, mm. that they tell you to eat. So it's not to do with, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vegan or anything that, you know, that often have problems like that. Um, but yeah, I noticed such an improvement, um, when I got these things under control. Um, and I think, maybe over like kind of the last year or so I've really been able to start to build on that again rather than going downhill Mm. um so I think that's why I'm kind of I'm actually getting the reward for the training that I've put in over the kind of last I don't know how many years you know (laughs) kind of gone gone up up and down and yeah um so yeah I think the reason that that I discussed that going back to the point was that that's why I got into the sprint because I wasn't able to run long enough for a long distance. Like I was always conking out on longs and I was not enjoying it. You know, if you feel like you can't go on, you don't enjoy the the course. Um, so yeah, sprint was something that when I was coming back, I was able to, able to focus on. And I remember the, the JK and Leeds with all the different like levels with the underpasses. Mm-hmm. And that winter I'd not been able to do like any sessions. I'd been doing only easy runs and everything had to be monitored that I wasn't allowed to do certain heart rates because you know, you can damage your body when you're ill. Um and I remember just geeking that so hard and finishing knowing I'd had a good run and like somehow imagine to get myself selected for the Europeans off a winter, like a horrific winter of training, but I just, you know, got myself into a place where I could orienteer again. And I think, you know, that made me think actually I can be quite good at this because if that's what a bad preparation of winter does, what can I do when I get a good one? So yeah, I've kind of dragged, dragged my dad into this sprint as well. You know, (laughs) when you sprint, you know, you have to do quite a lot of training on the maps for he is always keen to plan things he started doing a bit more and then now he doesn't just go to these foreign events that you know will says he ends up going and winning his class at them i come back and be like yeah dad won again yeah so yeah it's quite nice to have that you know to to have your like family also competing i think that's what's so good about orienteering is you know they're not just coming along to watch they're also doing what they love as well yeah, hmm. what's one of the best kind of international competitions that you've that you've been to? What what are some of your best memories? Whether that's um on an elite side with a GB vest or or something like uh Assom in Belgium. Um when you say most memorable, one of my most memorable one is bad, but um, <laughs> we can first, we can take good and we can take bad. My first EYOC, um I started like I'd had such a good like JK and things I'd third last start and I messed up the first control by like 10 minutes and so everyone had gone past and I proceeded to mess up the second control by about the same amount and then there was a huge thunderstorm and I was out there all by myself and (gasps) I just did absolutely horrendous and I remember like you know when you're like when you're like 17 and you're out for two hours that's a long time Mm. (laughs) and um yeah I remember I, I remember finishing um and just being like, what have I done? Um, but I just can remember like finishing and being like, no, but I found the finish. You know, it was, it got so, um, but the next day I followed that up by coming back third in the relay. And, you know, nice. it just, you know, it just, I felt like, you know, you're told like you don't become a bad orienteer overnight. You know, people do have really bad days and, um, 
but I think more of a, a positive um, one was um, my f- the World Unis, um, which I went to in the Czech Republic. And it was kind of like after quite a lot of my problems, kind of the first time round, it was my first um, international. And I got to selected to run the sprint relay. And I ran with them, um, Peter and Chris. And I, I mean, they are both great athletes, but now I kind of feel like I know them. But at the time I was like, I'm getting to run with like two of the best like sprinters in the country and like I'm in that team and just like the way they treated me like I was supposed to be there was like really good for my confidence like I I really struggle with confidence but I remember them being like you're part of just as much part of this team as I am um so I think like that was a kind of a turning point um but yeah when you're saying just any competition um the ASOM ones are, are excellent, but also the, the one I was at in Malaga, if they run that again, I would encourage anyone to go. It was like such a fun, well-organized event. They had two world ranking sprints, a full knockout mm-hmm. um, day. It was just, you know, absolutely excellent. And you know, I, I still like have to pinch myself when I think that a week later, Spain went into total lockdown because it was like, there, there was nothing untoward that weekend mm-hmm. like you know it was in a, a I always thought Malaga was a um kind of like party like stag do kind of um place to go but actually it's a really beautiful city so yeah <laughs> that's wow. what I'd recommend I'll put it on the calendar for next year storing up the yeah. holidays so training camps <laughs> training camps abound in January yeah. That sounds great. What's what's you kind of mentioned some kind of advice and snippets of advice there. What do you think is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I think personally, one of the best pieces of advice was if it's not making you better, why are you doing it? Mm. Because I think that was a big turning point for me um, just a, f- a few years ago when j- just when I was having these problems with the B12 that, um, yeah, I'm I'm so good at working hard and keeping myself going and getting you know getting myself out of bed and being like you have to do this and beating myself up when I don't do well but you know I was that was a real turning point that you know if if you're doing sessions and you're getting worse then you're not doing it right so Mm -hmm. it's you've got to change something and for some people that's train harder for some people that's back off for some people it's working out what's best for you and I think like mm. a lot of people That's listening to, to your body get dragged into like yeah, they get they get dragged into like this is you need to run this many hours a week and you need to run do this session because this person's doing it. But actually, you know, everyone's totally different. There's people, you know, who go to walk who run completely different hours a week, completely different types of sessions. And mm-hmm. you know, some people need big mileage, some people don't. And and yeah, I think just yeah kind of listen yeah listen to what your body's telling you but maybe from a more everyone point of view um something that's really applicable to now is I think you've got to enjoy the process um someone said that to me that you know all the tiny little pieces of work that you do sessions people you meet or you you maybe have a goal and you know to go to walk but like if at the end of the day, like you don't go, you're going to have had a great time along the way. And, you know, if, if every day is a struggle and um like a chore, then you're not again, you're not doing it right. There is days that are horrible and hard and yeah, lying in a heap at the side of the track because you're <laughs> training hard. But, you know, you've, you've got to enjoy your journey, I think. Mm. Yeah, 
I think that's so well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, another question is, so, I mean, we've, we've already found out from, from this chat so far that you're, you seem to be pretty ambitious. Do you have like particular aims that you want to do in the sport going forward? Or is it just kind of, you know, keep getting better? Um, I would obviously like to go to walk. That's, that's the pinnacle of your kind of career. I've, I've been to everything else. I've maybe not made the final. So I'd like to make a final if I go to a competition. I've missed mm. out by one second and like five seconds. So, um, yeah, I, I think like I, I've really struggled with, with nerves and things. And I've been doing a lot of work with some coaches and things about that. And yeah, I'm, I'm a, a hugely different person in, in a more positive way, um, to, to then. So yeah, I think. I believe I can get to walk. It might not, it might not happen, but like, I think along the way I'm going to achieve more. Mm. Um, I'd also like to get a Scotland vest, um, in a, some kind of athletics, like hill running cross country or something. That's again, quite a high, high goal. Um, but yeah, I never thought I'd come top 10 at cross country. So <laughs> it, it could happen. And yeah, I'd like to get like JK or British medal at senior level. Never say never, eh? No, I mean, that's what I said before is like, tell that little 11 year old girl who went on that weekend that she would have been to two European champs and numerous World Cups. You'd have been like, yeah, whatever. So (laughs) (laughs) that's, oh, that's such a great perspective. I'm really, I'm really interested to kind of, to hear more about, a little bit more about the nerves thing and like, and particularly what you've been trying to do to uh, overcome that or at least turn that into something positive for yourself. Yeah, I think that like you, it's again about enjoying things. Like, you know, if you're, you've worked so hard to get to like a competition and you stand there and just want it to be over, then why, why are you there? You know, it's kind of, you've got to, yeah, try and remember these things that it's, it's fun as well. And yeah, I, I just, I just remember once there was a, it was just the East District cross country champs, but I knew if I ran well, I'd get to run at the inter districts, which mm-hmm. is when they used to have the Great Britain against America and Europe as well. So it was like a really big, big deal. And I remember like someone asked me at work what I was doing at the weekend. And I said, Oh yeah, I've got this cross country, but I can't wait for it to be over. And I was like, I'm already wishing my life away. So, you know, I just, yeah, I'm not the most positive person. I'm really good at being positive to other people, <laughs> finding their like positives, but I'm really bad at being like, yeah, actually I'm good. Um, and so I've, yeah, I've worked with, um, one of my coaches just at, you know, trying to, trying to turn some of these things around. And yeah, even just, I remember him saying to me that, you know, I work with him I've worked with I've worked I kind of have a team of coaches with, for different things and he said you know the fact they all want to work with you means that they see there's some potential like so it's kind of yeah trying to trying to see these things and even with my training he said you know why have you done that session you've obviously done it because you think it, for a reason so even if it went badly there might be some positive you can take you know um yeah, I, I remember, um, I did quite a bit of training with Tessa, um, on the track when she was, um, competing in orienteering still. And she always said that I would be able to find like a reason why 
I ran well, how to make it that, oh, that wasn't me though. Like, so I'd maybe run a good rep and I'd be like, oh, well, I got pulled around that one or maybe it was short. But, you yeah. know, I was really quick to go, oh, tonight I'm running really badly. And she's like, but it's windy. You know, I'm, I'm really quick to kind of slag myself off, but or, yeah. So I, it's just kind of like trying to change my way of thinking because if you're, if you're beating yourself up, then you're not focusing on it's even things like if you're doing a rep and it's going badly and you start thinking about that, you're not focusing on the running, are you? You're focusing on your mind and, and in orienteering, that's even worse because you're mm-hmm. not focusing on the map and then you make a mistake and it just all kind of spirals. So. Yeah, just trying to be a bit more, more positive. I think my, my dad's joke, the things like, you know, this is not a very positive time, you know, at the moment. Mm. And he said, you're coping with it really well. So yeah, I think I'm, I know I'm in a much better state mentally and physically. So yeah, I, I think I can do a lot, lot better things in the coming years. Yeah. Well, I mean, looking forwards, I, as we, well, certainly in England, we're starting to emerge out of lockdown. Scotland, not so much yet. Um, are you, are you trying to plan things? Are you looking ahead? Or are you just kind of, you know, almost enjoying your, your spreadsheet being empty and just kind of waiting to see what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> I made a new spreadsheet for next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so yes, you are trying to plan so things. <laughs> it's, um, I just started to get some, like, I've had like, even like weddings and things cancelled and I'm like, oh, I need to work out when all these things are. And another day I was like, screw it, I'm making a next year spreadsheet already. Um, yeah, I mean, we are still very restricted in Scotland. Um, but things, things are looking like they're moving. Um, with the house move restriction um is removed next weekend um next monday i think so mm-hmm. the follow first weekend in july i'm planning on moving to edinburgh um i've got a great training group up there um i train with a girl who's like a is it kind of at the same level as me but in duathlon so it's mm-hmm. it's really good because she's kind of got a similar goal in a kind of niche sport um and yeah it, i've got great group great support network I, i'm really looking forward to seeing my, my friends and things up there um but i think yeah i've kind of got some plans there's maybe some things that'll happen in the autumn but i'm kind of i'm ready to pounce when required i feel like <laughs> but um I'm, I'm also a lot more flexible like it's not like okay this is my plan and if that goes wrong i'm going to go crazy it's like this is my plan and I can delete it every week if I have to. So yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it might just go straight back into cross country, which, um, I really enjoyed last year. So yeah. So I suppose at the moment, Kirsten, is it frustrating? Cause I've been seeing on Instagram, the Swiss team training up in Summer Ritz, the Swedish team are on a training camp and you're stuck in the borders, not being able to go anywhere. Uh, yeah, that's definitely something which has annoyed me, especially this week, seeing them all training and living together and they're already so good. Um, yeah, but I guess it's something we can't control. But there, there's also the thing, you know, you see, they say that, you know, inter- international sports and um, people can, will be able to get back to training and get back to things. And so, you know, like football starts, the mm-hmm. athletics, people who are trying to qualify for the Olympics are allowed back on tracks and, there's even here people who play bowls can go and play bowls. <laughs> but in or- orienteering, like because we're such a niche sport, mm-hmm. there's there's not going to be anything that means that 
that we can do anything. You know, mm. there's we're not going to be able to do an orienteering race until a beginner can do an orienteering race. Mm. And I think that does sometimes make you feel a bit like, you know, we're we're international athletes as much as some of these other sports. But again, we kind of have nothing, if you know what I mean. It's Yeah, and there's not like you know, a British team of staff who can arrange for you all to go together because you all can somehow mm. to altitude training and be able to do a load of training and then a load of competition you know that would be great because okay, so a lockdown at altitude would be ideal absolutely <laughs> ideal if we just had somewhere up at and they're 1800 meters in scotland i would have been there in a heartbeat three months lockdown up there <laughs> yeah i mean it does i was thinking the other day or something that i feel like i have almost been on a training camp because i've been like stuck somewhere mm. but <laughs> But yeah, it's I, it's like I have managed to kind of delete all the things off my plan, but they're still like in my diary. So mm-hmm. like, I think the other day it was I, I, we'd planned to go to Tallinn in Estonia, which is one of my favourite places I've ever orienteered um, for like sprint as well, um, because there was finally going to be like a sprint weekend there again. And it's like, I need to just get these things out of my diary so that I don't think, oh, this weekend it's the British champs. This weekend it's the, at least kind of from July, there was le- going to be less, less races. But, but yeah, I guess going back to the point of training camps, we can only do what we can do. And I think, you know, as a, as a team, we have still been having like, you know, calls and things and bringing, people together like as as a you know a unit um and i think you know when we can we will um i think we're all quite good at being proactive but it does just make you feel like yeah when they say professional sport can resume and it's like well we can't be professionals but we're like better than half the footballers and things (laughs) (laughs) shots fired at the football community (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh well best of luck as um you know everything seems to kind of unlock down and you can pounce when you when you're, you are required and hopefully can kind of continue this pro progress and process of being finding that confidence and yeah best of luck going forwards oh really great to hear from Kirsten there I think I think so many things you can take away from that interview but let's um move on and uh Will you've been looking at a few things that have been able to kind of be happening in the orienteering world as different parts of the the world come kind of ease their restrictions what's been going on yes so um yeah sad person that i've um i am i've been trying to uh, (laughs) fill my time away from work in the house of of trying to keep up with what people are doing um the swiss team as we mentioned in the uh, interview kirsten they're back training as a full-time group at altitude and samaritz so i think a lot of people will probably be quite jealous of that but they've also got back to their first serious orienteering competitions as well um, mm. of the last few months. So I think they're the first individual ones that I've seen going on outside of, um, well, I think anywhere really. So yeah. uh, um, it's quite exciting to see stuff back and see some actual course on the map with people running and they've looked really, really nice and really fun. Yeah. And um, some forests so- and some sprints, I think, as well. And Simona, I think Simona Nigli won the first stage. <laughs> She's still got it. She really she's has. still got it. Oh, goodness me. Like, uh, I, yeah, I mean, she's racing the best of the the Swiss women and she's been retired for, I think, about seven years, something like that. And she's still absolutely bossing it. I'm just, yeah. What a freak. She's in another, another world. She needs to come make a comeback. 
Jeez, yeah. She wouldn't be that far off, would she? A medal? No. And and I was meant to be going to the O-Ringen this year. She was going to be running the same class as me. And I'm like, oh, she'd be, be she'd be having like winning time. Uh, you know, I don't want to run in the same class as quicker me. Than any, 10 minutes quicker than anybody else, you know, probably. And like the last stage is a, is a like a chasing start. And she starts like 40 minutes before anybody else. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh my God. Um, I, yeah, I can't even believe that. I still remember the time of the, the European um European champs in Switzerland and we were pre-running the sprint relay and she just she just just goes up the hill ahead of me just like effortlessly and I'm like ah help <laughs> <laughs> oh well absolute legend um and stuff the stuff that's happening in Australia Yes, so there is a bit of a challenge going on down under, led by Aston Key and Frederick Tronchant. Um, they are attempting to, um, and they're being ably supported by the likes of um, uh, Brendan Curvis, Pat Jaffe, um, Henry, Henry McNulty's chiming in as well, you know, Aussie team runners. They're trying to set a, what they claim is a world record for orienteering, doing a 10k straight line orienteering course in the forest um, with a set amount of climb. I think it's about 100, 100 to 150 metres of climb um, in under 40 minutes. So sub four minute Ks for a 10K course. Now, Aston, I think he's put, been putting his training up on Strava and Attack Point and he, they've done a couple of test runs and he's got quite quite close to that pace and under it for um, for five and six Ks. So uh, yeah, a bit of a challenge to throw down to people out there of, Kat, do you reckon you could do... 10k straight line, um, c- couple couple hundred meters of climb in the forest, um, and and beat Aston and Frederick because uh, they're the first ones who are going to give it a pop. I think it's something that they've been they've been toying with the idea when I was down there, and they're mm. now finally bringing it up and uh, and giving it a crack in lockdown with no racing on. So be excited to see what kind of shape those guys are in with a uh, yeah with that kind yeah. of that kind of challenge. But it sounds tough to me. Yeah. So it's not like a, a loop they've run before. It's just like a straight orienteering course. You know, they've never been on that, done that course before. So you can do it in 40 minutes. Yep. Straight orienteering course. So, um, no loops, anything like that. Um, I think the number of controls maybe over, over 15, maybe around 20 to make mm-hmm. sure you're not just got a 1k <laughs> or one kilometer 10k leg, Martin mm-hmm. Regborn style. Obviously you've got to be moving time as well can't be stopping the gps watch uh, yep. control if you think you got lost mm-hmm. um so yeah it's got to be the whole elapsed time exactly so yeah see if you can do see if you can do any better that's quite an, an interesting one see a uh, little challenge against the clock if you, if you can't race against anyone in reality absolutely yeah so a bit a bit in in um in keeping with the virtual races that a lot of athletics clubs have been doing lately yeah it's a bit of a virtual orienteering race and um not saying you'll find uh, some nice forest <laughs> that's clear in Britain at this time of oh year. I think it might be a bit, a bit brackeny, a bit brambly. Oh, but. I was out on Windmill Hill today, which was used for the JK, the middle race, and oh yeah, oh, yeah, so much bracken. <laughs> I was thinking Ross Isle would be perfect for it somewhere Rose up there. Or Lossy oh Mouth. my god, yes! Oh, that would be, be amazing. That'd be a dream. Oh, dreaming yeah. of those forests. Anyway, let's um, move on to Ralph's orienteering conundrum for um, this last couple of weeks. He was asking, you've got to bring the two things together. So an orienteer whose initials link with uh, what um, Edison didn't like and a s- area from the Scottish six days in the last 10 years. I think I've got that right. Will, did you get anywhere? Uh, no. 
let's not be around the bush. Do you know what Edison? Do you know what Edison was an enemy of? I should. This is quite embarrassing. I should know this. And, um, and that might have that might have initials. Uh, no, do you want to well, have? He was he was a a quite famous inventor and scientist. So maybe mm-hmm. it was religion and Christianity. Oh. So JC. So maybe okay. Johnny Crickmore. Um, it's not Johnny Crickmore of oh. Alvy, no. Um, oh. Wasn't that wasn't that last time? Um, so he yeah, was to do was. with electricity. So he was in favour of direct current, and he didn't like uh, alternating current, which is what <laughs> won out in the end. So he was really in favour of direct current, and the big competitor um, it was all about AC. So we're looking for someone AC. And then a Scottish Six Days in area. And I confess, I had to, um, basically go back on the Scottish Six Days website and look up all the areas and like think like, could this work? <laughs> could this work with a, uh, an orienteer in the British squad? Anyway, I will put you out of your misery. The answer is Alex Carcass of Ardazir. Alex Carcass, Cars of Ardazir. Those two mash oh. together, which, oh, jammy. Like that's, yeah, that is nice. pretty pretty good. So I'm I'm pleased that I managed to figure it out with a little bit of help from Google. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, congrats if you got that one right. That that is pretty tricky. That is a, that is a tough one. Um, how could I, oh, I apologise to Mr. Carcass? How I could forget him? Yeah, terrible of me. Yeah, that is a that is a tough question though. Um, so well, that pretty much brings us to the end of the podcast. We've got a couple of exciting things coming up uh, in the future. On so we're going to have our running sprint with Kirsten Maxwell in a week's time, and we're going to be having a little walk special uh, in two weeks' time, which is when walk should be the world champs or should be or just just a kind of about. And um, yeah, I think we're going to have some great. Uh, international sprint stars on to to chat about all that kind of thing yeah so some yeah some exciting news coming out in the next couple of weeks for us yeah in terms of i guess what we're able to do and and um and yeah who we're speaking to and just expanding the the reach a bit we're now one year old obviously Catherine as well we forgot our first birthday we forgot we took it was last time we recorded a podcast and we totally missed it so well done will we've been we're going for a whole year I knew I'd forgotten something this, this episode. <laughs> um, we keep forgetting we've been going, we've, you know, we're so old, we keep forgetting how long we've been going. That's <laughs> no, terrible. But uh, yeah, so um, obviously thank you to everyone who's who's tuned in, engaged, mm-hmm. sent questions or helped us spread um, spread the co- podcast and hopefully with the, uh, with the plans we've got afoot for the, the next couple of episodes and the people who are getting involved um we'll start to push that more but i will say no more now i'll leave that teaser there (laughs) and we'll uh hopefully catch everyone at the next episode